Well, amen. Well, you can be seated. Uh, Pastor Dean, let me have you come up here. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. And uh, while he's coming, the Delara family, this is their last Sunday. So, uh, guys, thanks for being a part of the church uh, for uh, a while here. And uh, then Corey uh, as well. The King family is uh, moving. It's their last Sunday as well. But uh, let's give them both a hand. Appreciate both of these families being a part of, of uh, choice for uh, a while. Not, uh, not here uh, super long, but uh, God bless you. Thank you for being here. This is a special week because our Category 5 teens are headed to camp. And uh, we have 36 in total that are going. We have uh, adult uh, leaders. We have 6th grade through 12th grade that are going. And uh, so, Pastor Dean, thanks for organizing that. Uh, and uh, you and Christy do such a great job. And uh, I asked for a list of everybody that's going. I'll be praying for them uh, this week. And as you think about it this week, let's pray for God's guidance upon uh, their life. Uh, they're the blue team, right? So you got blue on here, so that's great. All right, fantastic. And uh, let me just pray for you and uh, come on in uh, here and we'll pray for God's uh, guidance. Uh, would you join me as well? Dear Father, we uh, come to you in the name of your Son and ask for your guidance upon our young people here. Lord, we are blessed to be able to be a part of the stewardship. Lord, you love them, you died for them, you created them, and you have a wonderful plan for their life. Help them to enter into that and just take the next steps in their life. I pray for salvation. I pray for spiritual growth. I pray that they'd be able to put off those things that need to be removed. And Lord, you would renew their minds and put on the things that would change them and transform them. Lord, bless the leaders with patience, with wisdom, with guidance, and I pray for physical strength. Lord, just pray that you'd bless the younger ones as they're nervous and bless those that are older, help them to be a godly example. And uh, Lord, just pray that you do some wonderful things in our midst that only you can do, that next week as they return, Lord, that their parents, that friends, that uh, this church would just see a difference. There'd be a revival spirit in uh, our teens. And uh, Lord, we pray your blessing upon the, the parents as they send their kids, give them comfort and grace as well. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. All right, let's give him a hand once more. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Well, that's uh, exciting to see all of them uh, head out. So many uh, teens we have here on Sundays and Wednesdays. If your teens aren't connected on Wednesdays, a great opportunity for that as well. We're looking in John chapter 1, and uh, as we... Um, kind of introduce the sermon and just kind of go back in this year. We've been talking about the truth sets us free, that doctrine is important. Our beliefs are vital. And so we're talking about the teachings. That's what the word doctrine means in the Bible, the teachings of the Bible. It really doesn't matter the way we were brought up or what our church or religion teaches. It doesn't matter what our favorite blogger, what society has to say. It matters what does the Bible have to say? What do the scriptures teach? Here's an interesting story in the book of Acts. The apostle Paul who wrote much of the New Testament is preaching to these group called the Bereans. And the people in Berea did something very noble or very, uh, um, the, the word is used here, fair-minded. In Acts 17, 11, it says, these were more fair-minded or noble than those in Thessalonica. 
in that they receive the word with all readiness. I hope that you've come today uh, ready to receive. You've prayed and asked for God to guide you, to give, guide your heart, to humble ourselves before him that we can live the life that he wants. So receive the word with readiness. And notice what they did. And they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. The apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, said that these people did something really good. That when he preached, they didn't just believe it because... Paul preached it, but they went back to the scriptures to make sure the things that even the apostle Paul said were accurate. You see, what really matters is truth. We live in an age of feelings. We live in an age where uh, really the, the idea of a post-Christian era that there is no truth, but Jesus said he is the truth, and he said his word is truth, and that's what we're banking on in this life and eternity right? That's where our faith lies in what the scriptures have to say. And so we began talking about God and the doctrine of God a little bit, and then we started a series on the church right after Easter. And so this morning, I want to talk about uh, one other aspect of the church. But as we look into this, somebody asked me recently, does the Bible say anything about church membership? Does the Bible teach church membership? And I believe it does. Look with me, we have on the screen, but 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this, for as the body is one, so the church is to be united, and has many members. Isn't that interesting? It uses the very word members. But all the members of that one body being many, we are unique, we are diverse, but we are also called to be one body, so also is Christ. So he uses the word members there, and then in verse 18 he says something very interesting. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. When you decide what church to become a part of, don't join the church that is the most enjoyable to you. Don't join the church that you think is the best. Join the church that God is calling you to be a part of as it pleases him. Pray about it. It should be a spiritual matter as you seek God's direction. God, where do you want me to connect? What part of your body do you want me to get connected into and build those relationships? And we believe membership is a very important uh, part of that. And so our Discover Choice class uh, is live class as well as online. You can take that online. If you have any questions, you can call the church office or just go to the website and under registration, there's some things there uh, for you as well. But we believe the church is to be a protecting place, a place that helps you to grow in your spiritual life because we can't live this life uh, on our own. Someone said, uh, so you're wanting me to join a church so you can keep track of me? Is that what it is? And uh, my answer to that is actually yes. We are to hold one another accountable. We are to encourage each other. We are to guide each other, to discipline each other, to correct each other. That's the purpose of the church. We are to keep track on each other, right? And so if you bounce from church to church and you don't get connected, that's not really gonna help you grow to the place that God really wants you to. Get connected to a church and be a part of that church and get involved. We just call it the MRI around here. Go to church and get ministered to, go to church and build relationships, and go to church and get involved and use those abilities to serve God. Well, this morning we're gonna talk about the role of the pastor. And so uh, we're gonna look in John chapter one, we're gonna look at just a couple of verses. About 25 years ago, I read a little booklet. If you're familiar with this devotional called Our Daily Bread, it's been around for many, many years. They put these little booklets together. It's called the Discovery Series. 
And about 25 years ago, I read this book. It was called The Pastor and the Church. And Dr. DeHaan used this passage, and he talked about three descriptions of a pastor. And really, so I'm taking Dr. DeHaan's general thought, and I want to uh, minister to you today. And so we're going to talk about three descriptions of a pastor today. When it comes to the idea of a church, what is a church? How does a church function? And we're going to talk about the role of the pastor. Look at John 1, 6, if you will. There was a man. That's going to be our first thought for the day. The pastor's humanity. I want you to understand that pastors are very human, all right? They are not just one step below God or below the angels. We are all made of the same stuff. The pastor's humanity. There was a man sent from God. Not just the pastor's humanity, but the pastor's authority here. There is a role of leadership that God gives the pastor. And notice his name was just simply John. He's just an individual. He's just a person. Verse seven, this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. That's our third thought, the pastor's responsibility, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe, right? That's our goal is to make sure people believe on Jesus Christ and end up in heaven. Verse eight, he was not that light. John was just a man, he wasn't Jesus, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. So today let's talk about these three descriptions if we can. First of all, the man. There was a man, the pastor's humanity. Growing up in church, I grew up in one church, it was called Bible Baptist Church as it uh, started out in the early 1950s. Preacher Phelps and his wife Carol uh, came to Northern Virginia to start a church. They came from Texas. Seems like I've always been around Texas people for some reason, and I guess that's good, right? They always say Texas is better, and I always say, well, why are you, what are you doing here if it's so good? But anyway, I won't get into uh, that, but Preacher Phelps was from Texas, and he uh, came up and started a church. And, my dad told my mom, you need to find a, a church. He wasn't planning on going to church. Uh, he wasn't involved in church, but he thought it'd be a good thing for uh, his kids to do. So my mom and her friends found a church and started going to this church, and she became a Christian. My dad became a Christian, and really his life was transformed, but the kids became a Christian. And so I really appreciate uh, Preacher Phelps. He uh, had a huge influence on my family. And then he retired, and the next pastor, Pastor Johnson, came in. And Pastor Johnson uh, was the guy that was preaching, and uh, I surrendered to the ministry. He helped me to find my calling and my purpose uh, in life. And then uh, he left the ministry, and a new pastor came in, Steve Reynolds, who's my pastor today at Capitol Baptist Church. That's the church that sent me down 29 years ago. Uh, to start choice as well. And, and I highly respected these guys. I remember uh, one day going up to the church parsonage and uh, knocking on the door after a service and Pastor Johnson, he was the pastor and he opens the door in his t-shirt. I couldn't believe it. He didn't have his dress shirt on, he just, and his undershirt, you know? And I, and I, and I looked at him like, I can't even look at the pastor, you know? So uh, uh, after the first service, somebody said, that's nothing. I was with the pastor's wife and she bought underwear for her husband. I'm like, do, do not buy underwear for your husband. That's my pastor, you know, but guess what? Pastors wear underwear, okay? So just to, in case you had any questions about that, pastors are very, very human, all right? We are just like one another. But I highly respected them. And then God calls me into the ministry. I'm like, man, 
Yeah, I am very human. I live with myself day in and day out. I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. You know, sometimes pastors take uh, you know, a little bit of criticism and stuff, and there have been times that people have come up to me uh, to tell me what they didn't like or a decision or you know, message or whatever. Sometimes they would uh, do that. None of you would do that, I know. Online people wouldn't uh, post anything negative about me uh, either, I'm sure. But, you know, sometimes people do. And I kind of laugh a little bit on the inside because I thought, if they really knew me, you know, that's such a small area. If you think that's a big deal, just live in my brain for a few minutes. I mean, you'd really know how human I am. There was a man. I think that's real important because God calls us to be transparent. He, in Romans 12, he says, live without a mask on. Don't live as a hypocrite with a fake on. Don't walk in church, hey, praise God, how are you doing? Everything's great. Everything isn't always great. I have family problems just like you have family problems. I get sick just like you get sick. I get down just like you uh, get down. We all have struggles and problems in this life. I don't have a perfect family. You don't have a perfect family. And you know what? Let's just pray for each other and minister to each other. There was a man. A couple weeks ago, Lars preached for us and he shared that he, that God has called he and his family to Grace Baptist Church of Iron River, Wisconsin. Several families were in our first service uh, from there. That was great uh, meeting them, Lars. Awesome. And how exciting. And, uh, you know, what a, seemed like, uh, you know, great relationships are being developed there. And so uh, after the service, a guy named Doug came up to me and he said, Choice is a pastor reproducing place. Man, just think of the people that God has used to be pastors to leave uh, this place. And I told him this. It's very easy to figure out why, because people look at me and say, if Tim can do it, anybody can do it, and maybe that's what God wants me to do as well. You know, see, the, the humanity of a pastor. We are very human. And I'd shared in the first service about Sarah entering into the role of pastor's wife. That can be very scary, and I know uh, she's done some of that before, but let me tell you the biblical role of a pastor's wife. And it's very deep, so listen here. It is to be the wife of the pastor. That's it, right, Patty? That was your role, to just be the loving support to your husband. You don't have to sing. You don't have to serve in the nursery. You don't have to lead ladies' ministry. If they do that, and that's their calling, and they have abilities, great, but they don't have to. They're just the wife of a pastor. You know, it's important to be real. I got a text earlier this week, a pastor who's facing a lot of criticism in the church that he's in. And he wrote a poem just talking about the hurt that he's dealing with. A little bit later in the week, I got another text from a pastor friend who's going through very serious family and health issue problems. I mean, just vital issues, heartbreaking type issues. The pastor is very human. A pastor friend of mine, uh, about six months into the pandemic, I was talking to him and he said, this is what I figured out about pastors. When the pandemic started, pastors thought it was a sprint. And they started working, you know, day in and day out. They didn't realize it was going to turn into a marathon. And it, it has not been an easy thing for a lot of pastors. Uh, dealing with the pandemic, the transition, the changes and stuff, all these kind of things uh, you know, went on and it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. Pastors are very human. 
Let's just talk about a pastor schedule for one second. I, I want to give you some things that I would normally do throughout a week or at least, uh, you know, on a general basis and just, just try to add up the hours and uh, we're not going to do a test or anything, but just think about how many hours a week do you think a pastor would work? The first is sermon preparation. How many hours do you think it takes to put a sermon together? Just think, you know, if you think it's four hours or 40 hours, just somewhere in between there. How many hours for that? What about shepherding and counseling people? How many hours a week for that? The administrative stuff, the budget, the calendar, the planning, emails, phone calls, working around the building or whatever. Meetings, how many hours for that? Outreach and follow-up training and developing other people, helping other churches, personal development and prayer time. Just take those six to eight areas I just gave you and put, how many hours did you come up with? Pastor Ryan told me between the services that he said about 11 hours a week is what he thought the average pastor's probably working. So I appreciate uh, Pastor Ryan so much. But anyway, just think about it. And, I, and along with that, there's family time, there's personal time, there's friendship time, all those kind of things that uh, go on chores. I've got to mow the lawn just like you've got to mow the lawn or go to the grocery store or, or I would say wash dishes, but I, I don't want to lie during the sermon. So uh, uh, anyway, but he, here's just what I want you to say. The pastor is a man. And this is what I think is important for us to do. Pray for the pastors here. Not just me, our staff. We have an awesome staff, great friendships, very united. We are very blessed around here with the team that God has given to us. And just do this. Pray for your pastors. Pray for their families. Pray for the leaders that are around here. Jeremy Lane used to just about every week would hand me a nickel. He'd, he'd shake my hand. He'd have five cents in it. And he gave me that because he said every week that he prayed for me at least five times during that week, he just handed me, shook my hand, and gave me a nickel. You know why that's necessary? Because the pastor is a man, just a simple human being like any of us, with flaws. Uh, my jokes may not be that funny. Occasionally, sarcasm may slip back in accidentally or something. I have failures just like uh, you have flaws as well, and we're all just human. There was a man. Second, there was a man, look at verse six, sent from God. Not just the pastor's humanity, but he was sent from God, the pastor's authority. The pastor has a very important role to be a leader in the church. Now, the Bible says the pastor is not to lord over God's flock. He is not to be someone that you know, makes all the decisions and can't be questioned, that, not that at all, but somebody has to step up and lead. Maybe your kids are soccer age or uh, they, at some point they had been or you're gonna uh, go to somebody's game and you see this guy, he coaches soccer for one reason because if he doesn't coach, his kids aren't gonna be able to play soccer. He doesn't know anything about soccer. Maybe he's the greatest soccer coach in the world, but most are just volunteers trying to do their best. And then you always see a father down on the other side of the field and he's either criticizing this volunteer or he's you know trying to coach his own son because his son's gonna be... Uh, Pele or whoever is, is famous now, you know, and he's uh, trying to coach him. And somebody's always going to step up into leadership, right? That's true with your family. It's true in a business. It's uh, true in the church as well. And there's a verse that I want you to see. It's in Hebrews 13, 17. That's talking about 
the pastor. I don't have a kick about this verse. It's not like something I talk about all the time. I, if anything, I kind of avoid it, but we're teaching through the Bible, and so I want to deal with it. And here's what God says about a pastor and member relationship. Hebrews 13, 17. Let's look at what it says, and join me in the reading of this. It says, obey those who have the rule over you. The pastor's to be a ruler, a leader in the church And be submissive, so obey and submit to those that rule over you. Why? For they watch for your souls. Wow, that's a big deal, isn't it? God says the pastor has the spiritual responsibility. They watch for your souls. And because of that, it says that they must give an account. And let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. That they must give an account. Let me say, tell you something that's a little bit scary. God says that I must give an account one day of the things that happen around here. And so a long time ago, I just kind of figured out, if I've got to stand before God for what happens around here, I'm going to be involved in that decision making. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? That they must give an account. They watch for your souls. Wow. That's a big responsibility. And so God says, I want the congregation to submit to the leaders. I want them to obey. I want them to be involved in the unity of a church. Pastor, don't lord over the church, but yes, lead in the church. Let me tell you two problems that I see in churches. The first would be in like the small country church or uh, the family church sometime. You know, there's one family that kind of leads everything uh, around there. And uh, they kind of treat the pastor as a hireling. The pastor comes in and he wants to make some changes and they're like, we we don't do it that way. We've never done it that way before. They don't want to allow any changes that take place in the church. I mean, even little transitions are a big deal. Maybe the church has to vote about it or whatever. They're not going to let that guy lead because they said, I was here before he got here and I'll probably be here after he leaves and therefore I'm going to control the decision. That pastor is just a hireling. There was a survey done years ago and the congregations were surveyed and they said, what is the primary role of a pastor? And in this survey, they said, well, it's to marry, to bury, to counsel. If I have a problem, the pastor comes over and prays with me, those kind of things. We're paying the pastor to do the ministry. And pastors were asked the same question, what is the primary role of the pastor? And they said, well, my primary role, according to Ephesians 4.11, is to equip people to do the work of the ministry that it's the church that are to be the ministers. We don't pay the pastor to do ministry. We serve God together and we're all involved in the ministry. Can you see if you have those different expectations? You're wanting the pastor to do it and the pastor's expecting the church family to do it. There's gonna be a clash, isn't there? The pastor cannot be a hireling. He's paid to do the work of the ministry. But there's another problem that I see in some churches as well and it would be referring to the pastor as a hero. The pastor's sort of untouchable. If he makes a decision and you don't like it, like one pastor said one time, he told his congregation, if you don't like it, leave. And he said, and they left. He said, I never did that again. But uh, uh, anyway, you can see him as a hero. He's untouchable. He doesn't do anything wrong. And if you say something against the decision he makes, you're coming against the man of God. The pastor's a hero. You know, he doesn't have a relationship with the people He just kind of is up there on his pedestal. 
whether today it's in uh, Nike kicks and some kind of uh, ripped blue jeans or whatever. But when I got started, it was, a, it was a blue power pinstripe suit, you know, dressed up and you, I'm untouchable, don't mess with me. And neither are healthy. The pastor's not a hireling and he's not a hero. He is just a man, but he is a man sent from God. First Thessalonians 5.12 gives us a great example of what the relationship of a pastor and the congregation should be. Look with me, if you will, 1 Thessalonians 5.12. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize, the King James says, to know. It refers to honoring and esteeming but a relationship that you have. It's a real relationship. It's knowing them. It's having a knowledge of them. It's, it's being encouraging. Last week, someone that was uh, in the first service, there was a, a bird flying around. It was actually at the back glass if you're in the, the service here, and it was flying around. And uh, they said, Pastor Wilcox, I know you love birds. And I saw that bird Looked like he was trying to get into the church. And uh, it's like, you know what? I'm glad they knew that I like birds. I mean, you can just have a personal relationship with people, right? We're just all human beings. Know them. Recognize those who labor among you. Now, there's an old joke that pastors work one day a week. And I want you to know that's not the case at all. At least not been my experience. And every pastor I know is very hardworking. Are there fakes out there? Are there sheeps and, or wolves in sheep's clothing? Those kind of things? Sure. But the pastors that I know love God and love people and they want to help others do the same. Recognize those who labor among you. See that? Among you. They're just equals. Sometimes people, oh, pastor, would you pray for me? I know you got a better connection than I have. And I'm like, no. The priesthood of the believer says we're all priests before God. We're all equal. There's no difference between any of us. I, it's not like there's a spiritual plane that I'm a little bit higher up than you are. No. We are laboring, and he says, among you. And then he says, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. There is the leadership aspect. And admonish you, he's to be a teacher. He's to lead through his teaching. He's to teach the scriptures. He's to, to teach to the basis of what does God want. Remember, Jesus said, I will build my church. This is not my church. I started it. I was involved in that. But it's God's church. It belongs to him. I can't do what I please, just like my children are not my own. I can't do what I please with them. They are God's. We just simply steward over these. They are over you in the Lord, and they admonish you. And then verse 13 says, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. You don't esteem Tim Wilcox because I'm just a man. But the pastor is a very high and holy calling. One time... Uh, Family went home after church, and the dad said, music wasn't that good. And mom said, yeah, the sermon wasn't that good. And the kid spoke up in the back and said, what do you expect for a dollar? I saw that's what you put in the offering plate, you know. So, I mean, you kind of get what you uh, expect sometimes. But listen, esteem them highly for their work's sake. That role is important. 
I don't take myself serious. I had to figure it out in life. I better laugh at me because if I don't, I get home, I messed up in a sermon. I remember a sermon I preached one day and I was talking about Jonah in the welly of the Baal. I mean, it was a great sermon. I talked about him being in the welly of the Baal and that didn't, uh, my family really thought that was funny. And, that, and I remember one time I was preaching and that, man, it was good. If you, I, how did I say it? I didn't say this in the first because it's a, Probably shouldn't say it in a second. But anyway, I said this. I said, you might get knocked down, but don't get knocked up. And I'm like, I did not mean to say that. I definitely didn't mean it. And I shouldn't have said it. But anyway, I want you to know, I am a human, very flawed. And if you can't laugh at yourself, somebody's going to laugh at you, right? My dad's listening to this sermon and he's thinking, that guy shouldn't have said that anyway. But esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And then notice the last thing, and be at peace among yourself. Be at peace. You know what's important in a family? Family goes on vacation. You know what they want? Peace. Just sit in the back and be good. I was from the day where you didn't have car seats and you didn't wear seat belts or anything. And you're like, Mom, they went over my line, right? You know, they, they, they leaned over too close or whatever. I mean, kids, they can argue sometimes. And parents just want to have a little bit of peace in their home. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. Live at peace among yourself. One of the best things you can do is just to love God and love others. Live in peace. There was a man sent from God. You know what's real important to do is to generously give so pastors are cared for. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. And really, he's not talking about respect, he's talking about giving. Especially those who labor in word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he treads out the grain. And the labor is worthy of his wages. Here's, here's what Paul said. He's writing this letter, 1 Timothy, saying this is how the church is to function. And he says, I want you to give generously so the pastor can be paid for. And I've been here 29 years. I've never had to work an outside job because of the generosity of the people. I appreciate that. But I have a little challenge for you today. As you recall, August 1st, Pastor Steve and Patty are retiring. He's going to be preaching on August 1st. It's going to be a great uh, day. And he, he might even tell you something about it as we conclude but I would really love for us to honor them. As I said last week, they came into the church at a very crucial time. We were going through a difficult situation and they came and brought such healing to Choice Baptist Church. I mean, amazing. I appreciate your guys' friendship. I appreciate all that you've done. And what a great thing we can do is just give them some funds for the greatest vacation that they could ever have. I don't quite know all that they wanna do. They're talking about trying to figure that out, but I would like us to raise over $5,000 just to help them in their retirement, be able to check something off of their bucket list. That's a great way to honor people. You can go to the website where it talks about giving and it'll take you to a link and it, it comes up with tithe and you just click on that and the next thing says Pastor Evans Retirement Offering. And you could give a generous gift. It might be $50, it might be $500, but you could give a generous gift to just say, I love Steve and Patty, and I appreciate what God has done in their over 40 years of ministry. Amazing what God's done in their life. Join us on August 1st as well. 
and we're going to celebrate those years. Now look back with me at John 1 verse 6. There was a man, his humanity, sent from God, his authority, whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Here's the pastor's responsibility. Do you know what the pastor's responsibility is? To bear witness of the light. To focus on Jesus. Our primary goal is to lift up Jesus. If this church becomes about a pastor, we're going in the wrong direction. If this church becomes about a certain family, we're going in the wrong direction. If this church is about a political party, we're going in the wrong direction. This church must be about the head, Jesus Christ. Lift up the light. You see, we live in a world of darkness around here. Men love darkness rather than light, John 3 says. And we need to be telling people about Jesus. It's one of the reasons that we're doing this pray and go that we've been talking about. And as you leave here today, go to the welcome table. If you're online, go ahead and register. If you're here as well, go to the website and register. There's some great training on how you can uh, figure out this uh, pray and go. If you don't already know, go talk to the people at the welcome table. And we're going to go through the community Maybe it's your own community around you and just pray for the homes and put a little door hanger on there and say, I prayed for you today. And if you're willing to, just get a, a permanent marker and just write on that little card, I prayed for you today, Tim Wilcox. Just sign, Don't sign Tim Wilcox because I would do that. But anyway, uh, but we are called to bear witness of the light. Pray and go. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your savior. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Wow. What was Jesus saying there? That wasn't very nice, was it, to call people evil? I thought it was supposed to be an encouraging sermon, uplifting. Jesus said, you know what? Every one of us have a sinful heart. I have it and you have it. Remember, we're all humans. From the fall of Adam, all of us have failed God. Every one of us have sinned, and we are in need of a Savior. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, call upon him. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood that our sins could be forgiven. I'm not asking, have you been baptized? I'm not asking, are you a member of a church? Did you grow up in church? Was your grandpa a pastor? Whatever we can add to that, you're a pretty good person. But do you know that you're going to heaven? Has there been that time in your life that you accepted Jesus Christ? Let's just bow our heads for a minute. God calls us to focus on Christ. And when we look into his holiness, we see how flawed we actually are. Peter said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. God, when we see who you are, we recognize our failures. Help us not to compare ourselves with someone else. We can find somebody better than us or somebody worse than us, God. But I pray that we would compare ourselves to you right now. And that in your holiness, we would sense our need for you. And if you're listening online or you're sitting in this building this morning, you don't know Jesus as your savior, call upon him today. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe Jesus died for me and rose again. 
Please forgive my sins. Come into my life and take me to heaven when I die. Dear Father, I pray for transformation in each one of our lives. Help us to pray, help us to give, help us to go, help us to serve. God, I pray you'd speak to hearts this summer that families would get connected, that they would join, that they would get involved here, that they would serve in our kids' ministry, that we would be involved in the pray and go. And Lord, that you would be the head, that we would see you as our Lord, and that this is your church. Thank you for the pastoral team. Thank you for the choice family. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I pray your blessing upon our teens as they go. Lord, transform us. Help us to be more like you. Just as you finish your prayers, as you continue talking to God, Join me on this last song. Let God speak to your heart. Let's stand.